Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sane, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. It has been lovely these last few weeks in some ways, right? Weather's been great. People are getting back to normal. They are, I won't even say normal. They are losing it, y'all. I don't know what they're doing in your neck of the woods, but I'm here in Texas where what we care about is our right to bear arms and our right to eat barbecue. And they are showing it and showing out. They are in my personal space, working my nerves, making my eyes bulk, and getting lots of side eyes and eye rolls because they will not give me space. I understand that you want to be free. Trust me, I get it. I know that you need to go out. You need to enjoy life. You need to buy a thing or two, but back up and give me my 50 feet. I don't understand why you can't wait. I don't mind waiting at the end cap of the aisle for you to come on through. It's not that major, y'all. We've been locked down. You haven't been able to get this stuff. The whole thing that we should be taking out is a slowdown and nothing is going to Nobody's going to die from you not getting your honey for your tea. Nobody's going to be hurt from you not getting that cleaning product right off the shelf immediately. Um, slow down. Take a deep breath and back up off me. Okay? All right. I have been uh, walking, talking, loving life, listening to the show, y'all. I don't know if y'all have heard it yet. I hope you have. Last week's show with... Kim Roxy gave me my entire life. Like it was something about her talking about all the the hiccups and the sadness that goes with every win that people don't see that just resonated with me. And watching her brand evolve and her taking her makeup digital, her makeup line, her makeup life. Lamique 2.0 is out there. Love, love and makeup and kindness is what Lamique stands for. And that is who Kim is. Oh, I just want y'all to listen to it and tell me what you think. This week's episode, you are in for a treat with Miss Tiffany Lee J. If you haven't heard of her, go ahead and Google. Her spirit is contagious. As you can see, she's now rocking it with Ayana Van Zandt on the OWN Network, telling these folks about their finances, getting them whipped into shape. She has overcome it. She's not one of those people who was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. She has been to the bottom and seen the mountaintop, okay? She is killing it, and I am so honored that she is on the show. You're going to love every minute of it. But before you get to listen to Tiffany... I want to know, have y'all been looking at the new She Slay series? Y'all, we have been having some amazing folks from Claire Summers to KJ Smith, who is on Black A, hashtag Black AF. She's on uh, Tyler Perry's sister. She's been in several Tyler Perry movies. She's on the website. We are highlighting women who are killing it in game changers from fashion to acting to medicine to technology because I cannot interview them all fast enough. I can only air one episode a week. You guys made that clear. That's all you want. That's all you got time for. And I'm cool with that. So check out the site. I'm definitely keeping it easy to digest. Every read is super simple. It's a one pager or two pager, nothing more than three minutes for you to be poured into, inspired, and seeing women who are doing things that you want to do or things you love are already doing. Folks you can follow, folks you can support. She Slays is our new series, and I do hope you'll check it out. It's on the brunchofslay.com in our BAS digital section. Uh, and I hope 
that you are reading and you are going slow and you are binging this podcast and you are telling your friends. And I hope that you are ready to hear all that is the financial fabulousness and badassery of Miss Tiffany Aliche. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Man, today's guest, we have Miss Tiffany Aliche. America's favorite financial educator. Now, before you get to hear all the gems that she's going to drop and get that real motivation, because I know you're wanting it, right? I have to ask, have you subscribed to the show? If you've subscribed, have you shared an episode? And I know you're going to want to share this one that you hear today. So make sure if you're not driving, because we want to be safe, that you share it on whatever social media platform that you love and tag us so I can give you a proper thank you. If you're not on social media and that's not your jam, just share with one of your friends. Shoot them a quick text from whatever platform you're listening to. Now, y'all, we know that we can do nothing without the proper funds and there's no stress like not knowing where, how, when, and where you're going to pay your bills or to get those things that you want. Today's guest is, I don't, I hate to use the word guru, but I mean, come on, let's just give credit (laughs) where credit is due. (laughs) I mean, she, I love her story because it's so real and I know you're going to love it. If you haven't heard it already, I know you're going to want to follow. Help me welcome to the show, Miss Tiffany Aliche. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Amira. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. I've been watching you and seeing you shine for years. No, thank you. And, and honestly, I always tell people that like as a budgetista, I'm not your financial guru, but I'm your financial girlfriend. So that, that's how I, I see it. <laughs> you speak in my language. <laughs> now, one of the things I, I, okay, guys, I know you're probably wondering, like, I hear that voice. I know that name. You've seen her from MSNBC, you've seen her in Forbes, you've seen her on TV a billion times. And I toot her horn because she deserves it to have it tooted, right? Um, But you grew up, one of the things that's a little different about your background that I know from me and probably most people listening is your household. You grew up in a money talking household. Yes, we did. I I think it was largely because my parents had five girls and my dad and mom are both Nigerian and they were both born in Nigeria. And typically a Nigerian culture is very male dominant. So like the men take care of the women and like the father passes on the information to the sons and then the sons take care of the family. But ain't no sons. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, you're going to learn, daddy. It's, it's yes. to figure this out. <laughs> yes, my dad was like, wait, one daughter, two daughters, three daughters. After five, my mother's like, there's no more boys coming. Like, we're, we're done. <laughs> we got to so draw my, that line somewhere, right? <laughs> and so my dad decided, you know what? I'm going to have to teach my daughters how to take care of themselves because so it was such a blessing, you know? Children are always a blessing, but I'm glad I didn't have any brothers because I know for a fact we would not have gotten the knowledge that he had to dispense. He was a, an accountant and a CFO of a small nonprofit, and he went to school for, he has his bachelor's in finance and his master's in economics. So he's like really a finance guy. And so we would have our weekly family meetings to talk about, you know, grades and chores and things like that. And there was always a segment about the family's finances. And so I didn't grow up with the financial hangups that most people did because it was normalized in our household talking about money. So I have to ask, how transparent were they? You know, because I know when it comes to talking to kids and money, you want to introduce it, but you don't want to stress them out. Right. So Mm -hmm. were they how was that? What was that like? They were very transparent. The key is your tone. You like, cause you have a little one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like, remember when, when uh, boy or girl, a little girl, 
a little girl. So I'm, I'm sure you remember when, and even to this day, she's really little, she falls, she looks to you to see what's your reaction to decide her reaction. Right. Of course. You know? And so it's the same with money that my dad could say, I can remember him saying things that I look back at it now, like that's a big deal, but they would say it in such a way that their tone didn't indicate that we should be worried. Like, oh, hey guys, your mom is a nurse and her hospital closed. So, so she lost her job today. So normally that's like, ah, but it was like very calmly said. And we're like, okay, because we're kids. I don't know. I'm, I take my direction from you. And then it was like, Christmas is coming up. And so normally, you know, mommy and daddy work. And so that's how we are able to afford Christmas gifts. So we're like, okay. He said, so she does have a new job coming up, but it doesn't start until, until um, the, the beginning of January. So we're going to push Christmas presents back until the end of January. Okay. We kept the tree up. It wasn't so, but you see, like, <laughs> I love so, that. you yeah. know, so it was always age appropriate, but it was really the tone. And if he set the tone for just because something is wrong, or something has happened doesn't mean something is wrong. You know what I mean? So it was very much that like I, he would show us how much they made. I didn't know if it was a lot or a little, but he would show me so I could do the math. He would say, this is what I bring home every month. These are all our bills. Go get daddy's special calculator, which had like the paper coming out of the back since he was an accountant. <laughs> it was exciting. So I yeah. got to add up all the bills and then subtract the what he made. But he was teaching me the lesson of there's like, the money that comes into the house is not just for cookies in the corner store that like, I was like, Oh, daddy, you, I knew you paid for lights, but you pay for the house. What's a mortgage. And like, Oh, you set aside for clothes. And so he just was really masterful. He and my mother were very masterful of teaching financial education. That was one age appropriate, but was also one without, it wasn't fear-based teaching. No, I love that. And so they all, the, all of the girls gravitate toward these lessons or was this kind of like your, your jam? This is your thing. Everybody but the baby. <laughs> There's always one, girl. There's I know. That, one. <laughs> you want to know why? Because we're all close in age, so we're all your two years apart. And then the baby, Lisa, she was born. She was the last hurrah to try to get a boy. But she was born <laughs> She was born five years after the, la- you know, the, um, the fourth. So we're all two years apart. And then Lisa came much, much later as like, try one more time for a boy. So I am nine years older than Lisa. And my sister, Karen, who's older than me, is, is 11 years older than Lisa. So essentially, we, we as the sisters did a lot of the raising. And of course, we don't know how to raise no baby. So we were like, yeah, girl, you can get it. Sure, I got it. <laughs> you know? And so by then, my parents were tired. Yes. And they were like, go get your sister. Yes. Go help your sister. So yes. I was like, you want what? Girl, just go get my, go get my dog for my piggy bank. For the, for the, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she didn't have all the, she had some of the benefit, but not the full, full benefit of all the financial education lessons we all grew up with collectively. So poor Lisa, we unspoiled her to death and now we judge her. Uh, of course, right? That's that's what we do as sisters. That's so cool. I know that story all too well. I have a big family too. And there's a almost eight year difference between my youngest and me. And I was the youngest before her. So uh, I think there's the 13 year difference between her and our mm. older brother. So I get it. And I know that game. But I love the, the how the conversation flows, especially there's something about like that sister thing. So I get I get all of that. Uh, so now as you were growing and you decided, okay, I get money, your relationship was really positive with it. And you were one of those girls who I aspired to be like starting early out of college and knowing that you're going to save your coins. Uh, why was it important to you to, to purchase your first place and make sure that you had like all this money stockpile? Did you have like a, a goal you were trying to shoot toward in the beginning? Yes, I wanted to be able to like what I did for a living, really love what I did for a living, but not sacrifice where I was financially. Because I can remember 
like when I was graduating college and I was 21 and I just remember being worried because I had to make a choice. Like, did I take my internship, the position they were offering me at my internship? And I hated my internship. I had a business degree, but I hated it. I hated it every summer. I used to cry going to work. And I thought, I don't want to live like that. And I really loved kids and I really liked teaching because I taught Sunday school and I volunteered a lot. But I was like, the internship was going to pay me, well, the, the job that they were offering was going to pay me $55,000 a year. And the teaching job um, was going to pay me 39. And I just remember thinking, that's a huge difference. And what do I choose? And, and I just remember that summer making a choice to really lean into financial education because I wanted to choose teaching. But I knew that I wasn't going to make a lot. So I, then I had to maximize what I was going to make. And so I, I spent that summer right before starting my job in the library, reading everything I could read, asking my dad every question, saving, saving, saving. I remember I, I stayed home for a year on purpose, even though my Nigerian parents were super strict. Uh, but I stayed home. <laughs> I stayed home for a year because I wanted to, to leave on solid financial ground. I think I want to say I was making maybe like um, 12 or $14 an hour or something like that. But I didn't have to pay any bills other than like my student loans and like personal things I wanted to buy. Um, because I was living home. And so that year I saved like $10,000 and I used that money, half of it to buy a car. I, um, I bought a two-year-old car and I used the other half to find an apartment, get all the furnishings. And I still had a little bit left over. I moved in, my sister and I moved in together, the oldest. And, um, and then I was like, okay, I found an apartment. It took me about six months to find an apartment I could easily afford. And so I set myself up to have the same things as my counterparts, my friends, that I had an apartment, but my rent was $550 a month because it was $1,100 for the apartment, but so my sister and I split it. And my car, I didn't have a car note because I paid for my car in cash. And because I paid for my car in cash, my car insurance was, was lower than if I still had a payment. So I had set myself up to have a similar life because that's what I wanted as my friends, but at a price that I could afford because I knew that if I was going to pick the job that I love, that I was going to have to sacrifice income, at least temporarily. And so that's why I was like so adamant about getting, getting financial knowledge because I really wanted, I didn't want to go to work crying because I was like, damn, I, I can't even take the summertime. You know, like I yeah, can't imagine yeah. all year long. I was just like, literally, I was getting like anxiety thinking like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, if I have to work here all year long, I'm going to die here. That's dramatic. <laughs> I'm going to die here. I used to literally be like, oh my God, I can't, I can't. The oh, most. Yes. yes. And so, um, so that's what, so, and then it, it kind of like tricked something off in me that said, hey, if you manage your money well, there, you have greater opportunity to do the things that you truly love. So I love teaching preschool. I mean, it's the kids, it's the babies, three and four and five. That's like the best age. They're still super cute. It's mm -hmm. like, Miss Tiffany, I love you and hugs and kisses, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. And um, so it's just like, it was every day, even though there were days that were challenging, you, you got your reward the same day every day. Because someone's going to give you a hug. Someone's going to say, I love you. Someone's going to say, you know, can I come home with you? And like, Miss Tiffany, I like your hair and your shoes are so cute. Like these kids, you know, kids just... There is no better boost than children. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, I, and honestly, like I, I truly loved um, transforming the lives of, of of these kids, and I wanted to be able to do so. But like I said, still, still be able to live the life that I wanted to live. And because I lived so under my budget, I was able to, in two and a half years, to save forty thousand dollars, basically half my income. And I thought to myself, well, what do I do now? And you know, because I'm like, I knew that having forty thousand dollars in a savings account didn't make sense. And I thought maybe I should buy a house. 
but I wasn't quite ready for a house house. So I bought a condo and it was a two bedroom condo and um, it was $220,000, but I bought it right before the recession. And I didn't know anything about recessions and this and that. So soon after, well, no, not right before the recession. I bought it a few years before the recession, but then the recession hit. My school closed its doors because it lost its funding. It's a, it was a nonprofit-based school, so I lost my job. I had, right before I lost my job, I was a victim of a credit card scam, um, a quote-unquote friend of mine. Um, he stole all this money and left me $35,000 in credit card debt. All of this happened within like a year. School closed, job loss, and, and credit card scam. So now here I was for the first time with credit card debt. I didn't have a job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And that was probably... It was, I was both ready for a change because by then I had taught for over 10 years, but also really scared because I didn't have any money coming in. And so it really put all the things I'd learned to the test. Now, man, that's a whole lot. Okay. So you, you did everything you were supposed to do. You put your big girl pants on, you yep. saved your coins, you were living your, your best life. Like you didn't deny yourself, right? You just said, let me scale it back. Let me just take a moment to get these funds together so I can live the life I want. And you were doing it, right? In excellence. Yes. I will say this, that in my 20s, I over-sacrificed. And the recession taught me that. The biggest lesson I got from the recession is that that the money is meant to be used responsibly, yes, but to also enjoy. I did not go on vacation. I was not, I mean, at one point, my parents gave me money to get clothes. They were like, girl, are you homeless? <laughs> like, they were like, Tiffany. And they, they did not know I had $40,000 saved. So they're like, here's our credit card. And my parents never, they're not the credit card here you are parents at all. Oh, man, like, you were doing bad, Tiffany. <laughs> yes. And so, like, because, you know, in my mind, I was, I was so focused on, I'm going to save every penny, nickel, dime. I mean, I saved everything. And I over-sacrificed. And then when I lost everything during the recession, I thought, I'm not going to do that again. That there has to be a way to be responsible, but also live. And that's how I live now, that I'm responsible, but I live. I go on vacation. I get my hair done. I get my nails done. So the recession taught me that because it didn't, like, it, it made me realize that sometimes there are things that are out of your control that I had done all the right things and I lost everything and I didn't want to ever go back there again feeling like, well, dang, you spent the last five, six years not living, you know, to work up to something that didn't happen. You should be living as well as working at the same time. So it was a huge lesson in that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the recession because one, it was time for me to leave the classroom and to take my teaching skills on the road, but I was scared to. So the recession forced me to because I, there was no classroom to go back to. Two, it forced me to hone my, my um, financial skills for myself and hone my financial skills of teaching other people how to do the same. And the Budget Easter was born as a result. So now when you were teaching, parents started asking you for help. How did they even know you were good with money? How did those conversations start? Well, when you work in the hood, first they ask you for money. And so that's how it started. They'd be like, hey, Miss <laughs> Tiffany. Um, you can let me hold $20. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I'd be like, Marsha, because when, when you work, especially if you are, you, you know, I'm the same demographic of my parents and we were similar ages. I was young. I was in my twenties. They were in their twenties largely. So, you know, I got to be very cool with a lot of the parents. So it was like, Hey girl. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, Sheila was good. Okay. Oh, you can let me hold $20. And I'd be like, honestly, I can't, but like, what's the issue? Cause it, no matter what, like I'm a teacher through and through well, girl, you know, I get paid, but you know, the check doesn't last until this long. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm really good at budgeting. If you come at nap time when the kids are asleep, I'll show you how I do my budget. Okay. So that's how it started. And one parent and another parent and teachers. I remember 
when tax time came around, my dad, when I was um, 18, showed me how to do my own taxes. And so I knew how to do them. And plus TurboTax is pretty easy. I was using that and he would review them for me. So when tax time came around, I was doing my own taxes during nap time and uh, parents got wind of it and they were like, can you help me? I said, even better, I can show you. If you come during nap time, I'll bring my laptop and I'll walk you through so you can do it. Because the teacher in me wants you to learn how to do it for yourself. So when I'm not here, you have that knowledge base that cannot be taken from you. So I just like, nap time was just the time that I would be pouring into the other teachers. The maintenance man would come in, they'd be sweeping and learning. And, and <laughs> so it was like, it was like adult university. When the kids would sleep, we would sit at the little tables and we would, we would learn together. And it made me realize that I really liked teaching financial education. So the budget NISTA originally was gonna be a nonprofit because I had a job, I was a teacher. Um, and then when the recession hit and, and my, my, my job was gone, I decided to, with much pushing for my friend, to turn the budget into an actual business. Meditation is more than a trendy pastime. It's a practice that has changed lives. As a matter of fact, it's changed my life. That's why I've partnered with the folks over at Gaiam to give all of you lovely people an incentive to start your own journey in meditation. Head over to Gaiam.com and use code BRUNCHANDSLAY20 before the end of May to get 20% off of all the meditation basics. Everything from cushions to aromatherapy diffusers, this could be the start of something beautiful. And now back to Brunch and Slay. But how cool is that? Like the universe just kept giving you those breadcrumbs. Like, girl, you're, you're already doing what I need you to do. I introduced you. You knew you had passion for teaching people and you knew you had a gift for that. And your dad, you already had a love for money. Like, I'm just, I love listening to how these stories and these paths unfold, right? Yes. And I know a lot of times when we're out here trying to navigate our calling, because you know that calling, right? You know that thing that keeps you up, but we don't know how to monetize it all the time or how to truly make it our own. And listening, I think listening to how other people figure it out kind of helps us see what little nuggets we're missing, right? Um, that is so cool. So at this point, you lose your home. You have done everything the right way. A lot of people probably would have just been like, you know what? I tried it that way. I'm just going to give up. I'll just, I'll just wild out for the rest of my life. You know, what was it that made you realize that, number one, I got to try this again and I need to share this story? Well, there was something, there was something in me. I remember literally like praying. I was like sitting. I was, by then I moved out of my parents' house and I moved in with my sister and I was sleeping on her couch. And I remember like feeling like defeated, like, yo, I did all the things. Yo, I went to school. I got my master's. Like I save, I tithe, I give. I, save, like, what the, I just remember like raging because I was like, I don't, this is not fair. I didn't do anything wrong, you know? And I remember literally saying, God, like, yo, this is not fair. You promised me that if I mm. did the right thing, that you that you would have me, that yeah. you got my back. You don't have my back. Like, you know, literally just uh, like out loud, like, yo, I'm like, I was ready to like, you know, like to give up on my, yo, I'm sleeping on my younger sister's couch. I'm 30, mm. you know, like that, like, this is not fair. Like, I don't, you know, like I, I literally teach kids in low income neighborhoods for a living. I teach Sunday school. I mean, I just don't get it. Like I live a life of service. What more do you want of me to be able to protect me from bad things basically, you know? Yeah. And I just yeah. remember like hearing like, um, and not really hearing it, but 
feel hearing it, you know, this voice that said, so my, my Nigerian name is Adochi, which means God's blessing. And I remember feeling slash hearing this voice that said, Adochi, I've given you everything you need to succeed. So I'm raging some more. Adochi, I've given you everything you need to succeed. Raging some more. And that kept going all over and over and over. I kept feeling, I've given you everything you need to succeed. So I started to get sarcastic. Like, oh, what you gave me? This couch? <laughs> you gave me this couch? Oh, what you gave me? Bad credit. This, uh, Is that what you gave yeah, me? Yeah. 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 And so I started listing things sarcastically. Like, oh, you gave, I didn't even have a computer. I had a netbook, which is like a glorified cell phone. And like, and they don't even make them anymore. I was like, oh, you gave me this netbook? Oh, oh, oh well, I got emails. And something said, <laughs> like literally when I said emails, it said, ding, ding, ding. I was like, wait, I got emails. And I was like, wait, okay. Have I used everything? Have I emailed people? And I was like, well, so I sat on my, um, I remember I, I called my, my mentor and told her, you know, like how I was feeling or whatever. And she was like, um, you know what? You need to get um, contracts, you know, to like teach financial education. And I said, yeah, but I don't even know how to do that. She's like, well, girl, I got to go. I'm like, wait, Christine. That's it? <laughs> like, I, I gave you this. Said. Really? You going to tell me what you can't do? Like, seriously? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally all she said is you need to get contracts. No guidance. No, no. I was like, and then I, I thought about the emails and I said, you know what? I'm going to email everyone in my Gmail. I think at the time, maybe it was like maybe 50 or 60 emails that I had. And I said, because a lot of them I had met, I was doing a lot of volunteer work. When I was a teacher and after being uh, like losing my job, I did a lot of volunteer work. Boys and Girls Club, United Way, all these nonprofits. So I volunteered in different ways. Sometimes I would like um, create programming for their kids, but somehow financial education would seep in some way, somehow, whether it's just me helping somebody one-on-one -on -one there or me like creating a class for them. So I sent an email to, to all my emails saying, hey, it's me, Tiffany. You already know me. I teach financial education. By then I was already going by the name Budgetista because Lisa, the baby, had given me that nickname in... Um, when I, mean, I was still a teacher, I'm like, it's me, the budgetista Tiffany, you know, I've likely volunteered for your organization, but you might, what you might not know is that I actually teach financial education. I should find this email. I'm just thinking about it. Yes. You should share everything. that for sure, man. Yes. Full circle moment. Absolutely. Yes. You know? And then I said, um, I would love to, you know, be able to teach financial education for your organization of the 50 or 60 emails. Only one person emailed back. Her name was Catherine Wilson of the United way. And she said, hey, you emailed Amy, but she no longer works here. I, you know, I'm the program director here now. And I was like, well, girl, can I meet you? <laughs> what you doing today? <laughs> yes. And she was, what I didn't know is that it was Catherine's first week and she was looking for programming. What perfect timing. Because why? I had everything I needed to succeed. I met Catherine on the way out of my house. I had written this book, The One Week Budget, that didn't sell anything. But I grabbed a copy and said, bring it with you. Catherine and I are the same age and we collect. We were just laughing and having a good time. And then she was like, girl, you know, I told her about financial education. She said, can I just ask you a question? So she started asking me personal financial questions and I was helping her and I whipped out the book and was like, look, first you're gonna do this. And I gave her this mini session because why? I, I'm a teacher and I've given you everything you need to succeed. I'm a natural teacher. Like this, no matter what I'm going through, if you ask me for something that I know how to do, I'm gonna teach it. So I ended up giving her like a mini lesson just because and she was like, that was really good. Could you do that for the United Way? We have this program called the IDA program, the Individual Development Account Program, where a bank gives us money to give the community, but the community has to take financial classes with us to receive that money. And I was like, sure. She said, do you have a program? I said, yes. Meanwhile, no program. She said, how long is it? I said, six weeks. Meanwhile, made it up on the spot. 
she said, do you have a proposal? I said, sure do. Meanwhile, didn't know how to write a proposal. She said, okay. I think she could kind of tell. She was like, um, okay, well, just give me the proposal in like two weeks. People don't usually give you two weeks for nobody's proposal. No, they don't. But she, no. <laughs> but she could kind of tell like she ain't got a proposal. So I, so in that two weeks, I, I use more resources of I've given you everything I need to succeed. I tweeted, help. I need to write a proposal. I don't know how. This woman named Michelle Thomas, who I didn't know at the time, she was a communications director for the city of Newark. I had no idea of that. But because via social media, whenever I was volunteering, I used to invite, I used to invite my network. Like, hey, volunteering for the homeless this, you know, this week, anybody want to meet, meet up with me? Hey, collecting, um, you know, uh, uh, Pathmark, ShopRite, and, um, and grocery store cards for people who, you know, who live in a um, transitional home shelter. You know, does anybody want to donate some? So I would do that all the time and use my social media. Michelle Thomas had been watching that. Do you see the seeds that you plant? Yes. So when she saw me ask for help, she said, I love what you're doing in my community. I will help you. Here's my email. Send me all that you have and I'll put in proposal form. I did. She sent it back. I still use that proposal to this day. I share that proposal with everyone to this day. That proposal has garnered me hundreds of thousands of dollars to this day. And um, I, I gave it to Catherine. It was my very first contract. And I think it was like paying, they're paying like um, maybe 1200 bucks a month. It was enough for me to move off my sister's couch and into a room. A bunch of my girlfriends who were also unemployed, they were renting a room in this house downtown Newark. Everybody's renting an individual room and the room was 500 bucks a month and it included everything. And so I was able to afford that room and I was with my other friends who were all equally as broke. And that was really the beginning of me like being an entrepreneur. But all of those things came together to make that thing happen. That had I not laid the foundation of giving, in service, had I not been a teacher, had I not sent that email out, had Michelle Thomas not seen my good works in her city, all everything you do matters. It all converges. Every aspect of yourself needs to be as it is for you to get to where you're going. The way your eyes are shaped. You know, I have a lisp. You know, like I, every single component of myself, I've, I've become to really appreciate because it all has created what people have come to really resonate with as the budget needs to. And it's just taking me so far. And so, I mean, I don't regret any of the things. I mean, I'm so grateful for the recession. I'm grateful for my friend who scammed me because the scam taught me, taught me humility because up until then I had not made any financial mistakes and I couldn't relate to people who had made financial mistakes. But once I was in my own hole, I know exactly how you feel. I know the shame. I know the fear. I know the sorrow. I know the depression. I've been there. And so I needed that in order to be able to serve the way I serve now. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it because I would not be here without a dad and a mom that taught financial education, without no brothers, without baby Lisa, all of it matters. And so for your listeners, you know, Amira that are listening and sometimes they wonder why me, why that? No, it, it has to be you. All of those things are necessary to get you to the place where you're wanting and supposed to be. And if you will just allow the process to take place, then you'll be, because the things I wanted for myself, what, what is, what is set aside to you is much bigger than that. I mean, I could not, I mean, I could not have imagined. I, when I tell you, I could, I don't even start imagining anymore. I just leave it alone. So oh. I'm like, girl, you don't even have the, the ability to vision what, wow. what is set aside for you. And wow. it might not, because here's the thing, everybody thinks they're supposed to be Beyonce or Oprah. This, it might not look like that. You might just be the most amazing mother that raises the next president of the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. we have to be open to the fact that what manifests for you might not look like what you intend for, but know that it's better. 
You know, like I likely will never be Oprah, okay, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to change the lives of hundreds of thousands of women. I've already done that. Oh, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it's just an amazing, like life truly is amazing when you really give it the gratitude that it deserves. Oh, I agree. I mean, just, I mean, y'all, I know that's the thing I love. Let that light shine. When you let that light shine and you walk in your intentions, everything that is supposed to be will be, and it will be effortless. You will know it. It, the steps are just order it. That's yeah. that feeling when something just happens and you're like, that was not supposed to be that easy. That's because you're doing what you're supposed to yep. do. You're in the zone. That's what Michael yes. Jordan used to call. He said that there were moments when he would play basketball, when you would see him get all those points, all those, he said it was because everything was aligned and he was in the zone. And there are moments in my life, like there's just some things that are even happening now that I'm like, what, how, what? <laughs> People in my inbox that I'd be like, wait, who, how'd you find me? And what? Oh man. Because I am in the, in, in uh, Oprah calls it the flow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She calls yeah. it being in the flow. Like when you're in the zone and you're in the flow, I'm not saying it's not a lot of work, but the doors open. How because did you keep from fighting the flow though, Tiffany? Cause you know what? Let's talk about it. Cause we gotta be yes. real. We are, we will self-sabotage. Things will go great. Right. And we, we get afraid because we, like you said, we have this dream, but when those dreams become like supernova dreams, like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this has happened. This person's in my inbox or this person called me back. You, there's something in our humanism that makes us self-sabotage. How did you fight that? I still fight it. Um, so I'm, I, I, so I'm better at it now by allowing the flow to go only because I have seen enough of when I don't. Like, so if I'm like, well, no, we're going in this direction. Then like God, the universe is like, okay, girl, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. God, oh, I'm out for you. Okay. Because okay. what will happen is like the door that I'm, I'm pulling out won't open because it's not meant for me to open. And so I will be fighting, fighting, fighting. Cause I, I, the thing is you have to understand that hard work does open doors, but if I'm putting in the work, the real work and the door's not opening, I'm like, oh, okay, girl. Yeah. This is your, this is what you want. Have you uh, sat that to say what is meant for me? Because if something is meant for me, then it will either open easily or the hard work will open the door because I will have been given the key. But that's how I know. But it's been 10 years of learning. I'm hard-headed. It took me a long time before I'm like, okay, I throw my hands up. What do you, what will you have me do? <laughs> yeah. For real. But you know, I think it's, I, I'm glad you said that. And I, and I really wanted to talk about it with you because you've experienced quite a bit of, um, I guess, public success, right? And I know sometimes you get offers or get things that you feel like, oh, this is a great opportunity, but they don't align with what your yes. core values are, right? And sometimes those things have big checks right? And we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the saying no or the turning down or when you did say yes and you totally regretted it and it was totally off brand or your followers quickly let you know. Have you had any of those experiences? Oh, absolutely. I, I say no way more than I say, I would be making millions, millions, millions more if I say yes to everything that came my way. Um, I've learned to, there's a difference between what I call learning the push versus the patience. Like when, when is this, when is, when am I supposed to push and lean in and when am I supposed to lean back and allow and, and to be still and to be patient? It, it's an art that I'm still perfecting. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think of an example of when, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll be candid even now. Like I can't tell you how many times production agencies have reached out to me to say, let's do a show. And there's been times when I'm like, no. And other times when I'm like, you know what, you know, I, I'll do the initial interview, but now nah, this is not a fit. You know, like if you would have caught Tiffany 10 years ago, girl, I'm jumping on any show. Do it. I'm yeah, doing it. I'm doing yeah. it. 
But now I'm like, mm-mm. Because even, and I can share this now because I already I asked my, um, my, my publisher, but I have self-published every single one of my books. And I said that, you know, and I've had publishers reach out, like the first five years, nobody cared. But as the budget needs to grow, publishers have reached out and I've said no each and every time because it wasn't a fit. And I feel like I didn't have, I didn't have something to say to put in a book that made sense to do with a publisher. Because with a publisher, you, you lose some of your control. You definitely lose some of your rights. And I was like, no, that the books that I'm putting out are specifically right now for my, my audience, you know? And quite honestly, anybody trying to share that coin. Okay. Amen. And there's nothing right? wrong with that, right? <laughs> and, but recently I said, I came up with a new idea and a new way of thinking about finance that's really transformative and just going to transform the lives of millions. And when that happened, I knew right away, I said, I need a publisher. And when that happened, meanwhile, I have not heard from publishers in years. All of a sudden, when that idea came to me, three or four publishers, hey, Tiffany, you know, we've been following you for a while. We'd love to work with you. They didn't know I had this new idea, but that energy pulled them in. I reached out to a friend of mine and said, I, I need an agent. I had never, ever, ever asked for an agent before. I didn't even know how you get an agent. She was like, but she's a, um, a best-selling um, financial author. And she was like, my agent, Heather is amazing. Connected me with Heather. Heather lived in New York, which is perfect because I live in New Jersey. And she was amazing. Met up with Heather, created this, this book proposal. It was super well received. Lots of people wanted it. Finally chose a publisher. I just signed a deal with the publisher of my dreams, quite honestly, in the last, uh, like two weeks ago. But oh, do you see? Congratulations. Oh, honey, you are <laughs> preaching you. like manifestation. Everything you're saying is all confirmation. It's feeding my soul just as much as I know it's feeding the listeners because I trust the process. And I know that sometimes we just get in our own way and here yes. you be so transparent with those crumbs. And I think that's what is the hardest time. And I wanted to really make this show about the crumbs because yes. a lot of times we just are so in that moment and so full of the anxiety and the wants and the dreams that we don't even see those crumbs of God just saying, just keep moving. Yeah. So man, if, if, yeah. If I could leave your, your listeners with, with something, Amir, it would be this, that I, I used to be, I mean, everyone is like this in the beginning. You're someone who wants to jump to the, to, to door 10 because you're like, yo, I, I just want to get to the dream. I just know I'm able, I'm capable. But what you don't realize is that at door one is the key. At door two is the map. At door three is the, is the, you know, the plate that you're going to need to give the person that's at door 10. At door four is the, is a, a new lesson that you're going to need to maintain, maintain what's behind door 10 at door five. You see what I mean? That like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So quickly that we're wanting to jump to the end, but you're not going to be able to maintain the dream that you seek. You have to collect the lessons along the way. The first five years, it, I used to take every challenge to heart and it would make me cry and upset and just like it was, it was overwhelming. And I'm like, maybe I'm not built for this thing. Why don't I keep doing things wrong? But now I actually look forward to challenges because what it means is that it is a clear indication that I am leveling up because without new challenges, that means I'm learning something new. And if I'm learning something new, it means that I, something new is coming. You mm -hmm. see, yeah. it's like, this yeah. is the lesson that I'm going to need a week, two weeks, two years, 10 years from now. So it's exciting when I'm like, wait, this is a little hard or wait, we did that wrong. Or wait, we need to fix this. Great. Because when things are like um, mellow and there's nothing, no waves happening, that means I know I'm not growing. 
legitimately something called growing pains. I actually had growing pains when I was in high school. It's a medical condition where your body is growing faster than your joints can, can catch up with. But you also experience growing pains in business or in life. And what growing pains indicate is that you are literally going to the next level of growth. And sometimes you're going so fast that there's some pain involved until the rest of you catches up. So I enjoy growing pains now because it means I'm getting bigger. And so I've learned, like I've learned to look at things differently. And so that's what, that's truly the key, the difference between those who are successful and those who are, are still struggling to be successful that I've learned it's mindset that someone looks at a challenge as woe is me and someone else looks at a challenge like yes yes that means we go and i'm doing good you know yeah 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 no that's that's amazing i love your spirit now i gotta know you know as you embark on this new journey with this new publisher and, and and i know so much more to come what vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you along your journey um just for the the prayer and the vibe to maintain the course because as as bigger opportunities come it's easy and it becomes easier and easier to say yes to things that are not in alignment um you know and 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 so i'm really mindful that like you know what is my mission my mission is to help women and their families to live better lives that i'm here to be of service but it's easy for someone to be like oh for a quick a quick six figures you could do this that's Mm -hmm. easy Mm -hmm. you know and and so like just to just to to pray that, you know, for me to, to remind myself so that, you know, why I've stayed, you know, the course and to, to, to stay the course and to give me the knowledge that I need to help transform the lives of others. Because that's my biggest worry is that I know that I teach, but, you know, sometimes I worry like it's true transformation happening. And that's what I want more than anything else is that I, I want the I want the ability to truly transform lives, not just to get you motivated, not just to get you excited, you know, like Sunday morning at church or you're geeked, but, but are you truly a better person when you leave church? I want you to be a better person when you, once you interact with me or some teaching that I've done online. And that's really important to me. How do I transform you? How do I get you from, you were at A, but you left me, you at B. And now you're on your way to C, girl. Like that, if, if, if I don't leave this earth with anything else, it's, it's that. I, I want that transformative piece. I knew I did it at teaching preschool because I could see it. Jaheem right. can read. Right. He knows his letters, <laughs> right? But yeah. like with adults, it's a little bit more tricky. And so, yeah, that is my greatest desire to truly transform lives in a tangible, sustainable way. So just praying for my ability to, to, to do that. Um, well, yeah, well, that is done. You know, I, I touch and agree and I am sending vibes of man, just, just the ordered steps continuously. Like you said, I know that it's really easy to say yes, but it's harder to say no at a certain point. Yeah. So I, I'm just praying for that spirit of discernment for you. Now this Saturday, you can brunch with anybody in the world that are alive. Who are you brunching with? Ooh, I would brunch with, can I brunch with two people? Yeah, of course. So here to be, if I was a love child of two people, I would brunch with Harriet Tubman because y'all gonna get this freedom. <laughs> and, 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 and I would brunch with Mr. Rogers. Those are my two soul parents. Oh, wow. That, like, I have the spirit of, of defiant, like I will do what it takes to get you to where you need to get to. Like I will go to bat for you. But there's also like the, the, the teacher in me that believes in kindness and gentleness and, and caring for you. Like out there, I'm Harriet Tubman, but in here with us, oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Rogers. 
You see? And so <laughs> those are, yeah. mm-hmm. because I go to like, you know, it's so it's crazy. Like having sisters, right? Like, you know, like at home, my sisters, you know, we playing everything's good. Let somebody mess with my sisters outside in the street. Oh yeah. Let's, they don't want this. They don't, they don't want, want exactly. Yeah. It's a whole nother <laughs> Tiffany. People are like, Oh my God, I love the bunch of these. I'm like, Oh no, dream catch. You love me. But let me tell you about some of these brands. They don't love me. Cause I dig in that behind. Like you doing what? Oh, okay. I'm gonna yeah. let them know. We're yeah. not, we're not rocking with you. So yeah. So that, those are my two, that those are my spirit parents, Mr. Rogers and, and Harriet Tubman. And I would love, love, love to, to have brunch with them. Man. So where can people follow you and how can they support you? So you can follow me. I am the budget Nista on every social platform, thebudgetnista.com. And I would say the biggest thing you could support me in right now, because the book, the, 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 the book I'll be writing for adults won't come out um, for another year, but I recently just launched my first children's book. It's called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore, and it teaches pre-financial education lessons to your baby. So not oh, only do you yes. get, yes, I'm, when I tell you, I'm so excited. It is, it is, this is the, I am uniquely qualified for this, you know, because like my master's in education, teaching for so long, these are stories that Molly Moore is going to be a series, but these are stories that I used to tell the kids to kind of teach them foundational financial education because I would see their parents struggle. And I thought, well, what can I do? to start your babies on the right path and direction. So I wrote this first book. The little girl is chocolate, 4C hair. She's adorable. Yes. You know, there representation. Needs to be representation. Absolutely. Exactly. And at the back of the book, because I, I also, as a teacher, know that how other teachers and parents would struggle to extend the lesson. Because you're like, I don't know how to, like, I know I can read the book, but what are they supposed to be learning? So at the back of every book is... Um, extension lessons and questions and activities you could do with your child or the child that you're reading to. So that way you know how to, you know exactly the intention of the book and how to make sure that they get the lesson. And so um, when, um, so I'm, I'm hosting a Kickstarter, depending on when you're listening to this, I'm hosting a, a Kickstarter in, um, in a few weeks to, I want to raise money to hire financial educators to create even more lesson plans that I can give away for free on the Molly Moore website and to be able to continuously give away uh, Molly Moore books to low-income children. So the Kickstarter, the, the goal is a thousand books to start, um, but every book purchase will go toward also giving away a book to a child that might not otherwise have access. Um, but you can pre-order or order, depending on when you're listening, at Molly. M-A-L-I more M-O-R-E dot com. So mollymore.com to pre-order order or or participate in the Kickstarter, depending when you're listening to. That would be my biggest desire for support. Wait a minute. I thought you might want to know about what's happening next week. But my other thing is like I don't think we even start with that step one about believing stuff, right? Like we spend four years believing. I'm, I'm going to graduate. Like, that's all we, we focus on. Like, that's the only goal. There's not right. really this goal of like, then it's like, I got to get a job. And it's like, I got to get a job. It doesn't matter what job. I just need a job. Like We get so stuck in that hustle and like quick wins that we don't necessarily believe bigger than where we are at that moment. Man, Tiffany, you are doing God's work, girl. I mean, oh, thank you. that's, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I can't say anything else to that. That's just, he's, he said it all and you've said it all. So man, thank you for sharing on the show today. Thank you for being so transparent and for all that you're doing to help these hundreds and thousands of women who look like us break the chain, break the cycle. And then what you just made for my baby, cause you know, I'm getting that book. So Yay! thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you, Amira. Honestly, I truly enjoyed myself. It was, it was awesome speaking with you. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show as much as I love talking to Tiffany and getting my life and just going to church, I'm going to just tell the truth. I had a little church up in here today. <laughs> then go ahead and share this with someone you love. And no matter what, I want you to remember, because I know you heard it today, that if she can, I can, we all can. This is worth it.